And there are so many great leaders out there that can teach you how to speak from a stage. But I'm gonna tell you, when it gets to the offer, the, the less crafted into a perfect offer and the more about your life, you can damn well rest assured that I'm telling you the truth. It is 100% honest and I can lead you right down the pipe of what I've learned and then make you an offer on the end. Hey, welcome to another episode of The Empire Show. I'm Bedros Koulian, and this is an inside look. And today we're gonna to talk to someone who's a dear friend of mine and someone who is a hustler in the most awesomest way possible. Uh, th th this woman just fills me up with so much excitement every time I'm around her. Ladies and gentlemen, Shanda Sumter. How are Yay! you, Shanda? I'm good, I'm good. happy to be here. Uh, listen, thank you first of all for being here. Um, I feel like I'm just talking to an old friend because we've known each other for several years now. And if you have never heard of Shanda, I'd be shocked. But if you haven't, let me tell you a little bit about her. Um, she, she really is a, in the event and coaching industry, right? Like you, you do a lot of business coaching and you run events. And I've had the good fortune to speak at a couple of your events, both Mastermind yeah. and your big annual event. Um, actually, it's not even annual. You have it several times a year. Uh, zone? Or, or, or is it? Zone events? Zone yeah. events once a year. Okay, annual. Uh, maybe it just seems like it comes up often because you're so good <laughs> at promoting it. But to see the energy of the people that you pack in there really speaks to a lot of who you are <clears throat> because we tend to attract people like us, right? Like, like who we are. And um, I've seen more people reach out to me afterwards after you're doing your talks at your events than any other place. And I think because you've really conditioned your audience to be invested in themselves. And be generous. And be generous, yeah. 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 And so they ask all the right questions, they're very generous, they are, you can tell they're self-invested, but you didn't always start off as a coach and someone running events, you started off actually in a different country. So why don't we kind of start off with who Shanda started off as in Canada? It's actually crazy that you're bringing that up. So I was talking to my mom on my way down here, huh. and um, I created a video that went viral that was about my history and about my story. And um, it was about when I was a little girl, my mom had a boyfriend and he had a nickname for me and it was stupid. Oh. And I sent this video to my mom and um, she never said anything to me. <laughs> and so on my way down here, I'm like, I sent that video to her like a month ago. She didn't say anything. And so I thought maybe she might be hurt about the fact that even though I was the one who when I was little, her boyfriend, not only called me stupid, but um, made me eat food I didn't want to eat. He hit me. Um, you know, I would say, I never, like, I would never put myself in a category to think that I was abused as a child, but the truth is, is I was. Yeah. And my mom and I have talked about it many times, but I could imagine the guilt on her is massive. Sure. So I thought, oh shit, like, mm. I kind of pushed the envelope too far. And so we talked about it on the way over here. And she said, so something I've never told you is that the school came to my mom's house. She'd never told me that. And she said, um, I didn't say anything about the video because it dawned on me that I should have known. 
And so the school came to to the house, and my mom thought they were blaming her oh. for abusing her daughter because they, I guess, I had bruises all over me. And she's like, "Are you are you saying that I would ever hit my daughter?" And she's like, was mortified. Never realized that the man sitting next to her oh, wow. could have ever done that to me. And so they walked away, and I said to her, "You're lucky they didn't take me away." <laughs> You're lucky they didn't actually take me yeah. out of the house because my life would have looked a lot different. Well, if that same event happened today, they would have taken you right out of the yeah. home, right? Yeah, 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 totally. So when I think about where I came from, that's what I remember. And um, I immigrated from, from Canada to America with this idea that I couldn't, like, I had a dream, I had an ambition I knew I liked America because it was fast, and I thought Canada, they even drive too slow. Yeah. <laughs> like, like everything, they're a little too polite, and, and I just really wanted to, I think that anger in me wanted to get out sure. and create something. And so I came to America, and I always had that conversation on my head, like, you're stupid, you're stupid, you're stupid. And I went to school, and I was barely passing school. I just did what I could to be able to stay in America. And then, but I did what, people do when they've got to survive and when it came down to leaving America and going back to Canada I was like that hustle that I learned back then it, it served me yeah and I figured it out and um, I ended up becoming American my dad is America whole America he is America he is American um, whole nother story to that but I had a lot of people show up generously for me you've shown up generously for me um, an attorney wouldn't take my money and showed up generously for me and told me how to become American. And then just the rest is history. I remember thinking to myself, like, when you're sitting on your floor and, like, you think about the fact that you can't work, I remember thinking, if you give me the opportunity to work, mm. I'll show up because it's a privilege. How about that? How about that? So many of us take that for granted here in the States. Yet you were just like, give me the opportunity <clears throat> and I will show up because it's a privilege. Yeah. Let's step back just for a moment. You said you had this this anger yeah. that you used to create something. Mm -hmm. How often does it happen that when you look at successful entrepreneurs, successful actors, successful athletes, yeah. there's always a defining event that took place in childhood. For me, you know, I was molested as a kid. I was then we came to the United States and I was bullied like to, to a crazy level. It's not the kind of cyberbullying today. Like I was punched around and like like threatened and, and my possessions were being taken away with one, one possession, I had a little bike. Yeah, but people hear your story right now, my story, and do you know at my events, I'll never, I, like people still can't tell their story because they're holding shame around it. Yeah. And so that shame's got their power. You know what I mean? So it's I like, I don't know, there's, there's, there's a huge power to being able to admit it. And I'm learning this in my marriage right now. So the anger got the company going and the anger has not worked well in my relationship, mm. in my marriage. And so- So it's a great tool in some areas, <laughs> but not so much in others. Yeah, like, right? so now I'm in this whole scenario. I think the viral videos have helped where I'm just admitting. Like when, when I did the viral video that went viral on, uh, on my mom's boyfriend who called me stupid, I cried like five times doing that video. Not because what I was saying was emotional, to me, because I can tell the story over and over and over again. But I went back to the kitchen table when he was looking at me with those eyes, like those like anger eyes, like if you don't eat that food, I swear to God, like, and looking at my mom, just please just save me right now so that I don't have to eat this food. And I think if my son was sitting there, like that can, 
if I went there right now, like it would drop me to tears. Like yeah. to think anybody to, to hurt my kid like yeah. that, it's so unacceptable. I had to keep going into that emotion to do the video. You know, you think of somebody hurting your daughter. Right. You know, like really, like you didn't know and somebody was hurting your daughter right now. Like that brings up something that is just, it's real. So there's one thing telling your story and using that anger to build because you can build that way. It's another thing accessing the vulnerability of just admitting what that really is. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. because so, otherwise you're being held hostage by shame because mm -hmm. you can't talk about it. Or you talk about it like it's out here, yeah. a thing to use yeah. it to get yeah. somewhere. Yeah, which is called disassociation. Like I actually would, whenever I would think about it, I always would think about what happened to me as a kid being molested as what happened to that little boy. I never yeah. said what happened to me. In my own head, I said what happened to that little boy. Yeah. And it was interesting because when I went to a therapist about five, six years ago now um, to deal with my anxiety issues, yeah. I was just there. And in four weeks, he helped me deal with anxiety and explained to me how to overcome the anxieties I was having. Great, I'm done. And on the way out the door, he goes, hey, before you leave, is there anything else we need to talk about in your life? Is there, is there family issues, parents, whatever? I'm like, oh, parents, come on. I come from a communist family. So I never, was never put on restriction. I was slapped around by my dad. But what happened to me even before... Uh, leaving the Soviet Union was even worse than being slapped around by my mom and dad. And he goes, wait a minute, there was something worse than physical abuse? And I broke down and started crying. Mm. And it was the first time that I had said that I was molested yeah. instead of in my head, that little boy. And when I told him that, he goes, that's called disassociation. And when you're living out here and you're not being truthful of who you are, you're not being tapping into being vulnerable, people know that this person's not being authentic because it shows up in every other part of your life. In your marriage, it'll show up in your in your health and fitness, it'll show up in your business. Yeah. And so I'm curious because there's so many people who end up following the Empire Show simply because of Craig and I and openly talking about just the messed up childhoods that we both had. <laughs> like his childhood wasn't great either, right? His dad who was just, you know, oftentimes drunk and yeah. would sit him next to him on the tractor and the whole day was spent not saying a word to each other. Like that was dad's way of showing love. Sit there, yeah. I'm drunk, now I'm gonna plow the fields. There, we spent father and son time together. Yeah. And, um, so a lot of people who follows us kind of do have come back, come from abuse. At what, like, how did you use anger as a, as a means to catapult your business? Because you've got one hell of a business right now. And rather than really leaning on talking about your business, let's talk about how anger and abuse could be a catalyst for something good. Yeah, well, um, I, I, I think that some people could use a little anger. There's, there's, you know, I just was listening to somebody today say how there was some challenges in their family with the kids and sports and so we're gonna pull back. Mm. And the first thing I think of is like, okay, well then you're never really gonna build something because the pullback, like everybody thinks like, I'm gonna pull back, but that's why you're not the entrepreneur you wanna be because it's, it's that pulling back actually strengthens a limitation that I can't do it, you know, instead of figuring it out. So I, somebody, I just did another video around like moms having mom guilt and you know this whole conversation it's parents dads everybody right it's like they have the, this parent guilt and somebody posted and said I said you can have you you can have your vision and be a great parent and somebody said it's actually math Shanda that's impossible and had wow. this whole post underneath and and I was like look like, I have no issue with anybody being 100%. If I was 100% in with my kids at home, wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, let me tell you, it'd be dialed in. I mean, right. it'd be dialed in. 
but that's not my vision. Like that, that sounds boring to me. That's not my, that's not my vision. I don't think that that would be a good spot for me. But when I put my phone in a box and I get up, I was up at one o'clock in the morning this morning, right? So I woke up at 1 a.m. I'm not saying I do that every day, but right. I'm definitely up at 4 a.m. every day. Right. And I work and that's so that when he gets up, I can have breakfast with him. I don't make his lunch. I, I, I don't like that's just pure math. I don't I don't cook. I don't make his lunch. I don't clean. But I am very much a hands-on mom. I dress him, I take him shopping, I go paint pottery, I go get my hands dirty at the beach, I'm done work at three o'clock so that I'm with them. You know, like, I'm anal about that. It's very rare that I'm in a situation where, where it's past three o'clock yeah. and I'm doing something. It's very rare because of the way that I run my schedule. So I just think about the fact that, like, um, anger, like when I look at anger, what would piss me off is missing my career. You know, it, it would it would completely. How funny that people aren't that honest, though. I mean, because yeah. right now people watching this might be like, oh, how dare she say that? But the reality is how much regret are you going to have and how much resentment will you have towards your child once that child's older? If you're like, well, because I had to cook and clean. And who wants that as a kid? And if you could provide that. Right. The, the goal is to yeah, provide that. Exactly. And if you could provide that through other means, whether it's a housekeeper, a nanny or whatever. It's team. Yeah. Okay. So it is a team effort. Sarah Blakely is an amazing mom. She owns Spanx. And Jesse Itzler is an amazing dad. Right. And the two of them are two highly ambitious people. And they have systems. If they start to mm -hmm. get argumentative to, to, with each other, they stop and slow dance, right? Like they have systems. We have teams. You don't build a billion dollar company without figuring out how to be a great leader and, and build teams, right? So when you stop dealing with a B team around you and you get an A team, then that changes the whole Everything. scope of how things grow. So when you start to learn these lessons, you start to realize the math is actually in the leadership. How many amazing people are committed to the same vision with their life to create that type of impact? Because you're never going to do it alone. We just play one role. We play one role and one role only, only when it comes to inside the company. And that's the goal. The quicker you can get there, the better the whole thing's going to skyrocket. But that doesn't mean that you can't have friends, you can't be fit, right. you can't be a parent. And that's, I just think people are hiding. All right, so to that point, because we have a lot of women who are, who are, who are fans and listeners of The Empire Show, which we really appreciate. Yay. And every now and again, I'll hear and I'll get this message and I just start cringing because I know as a man sending a reply to this question is going to be like, oh, well, you don't understand. You're a man, right? <laughs> and usually it's like, yeah, Bedros, I want to be successful. I want to be an I want to follow my passion. Yeah, but I'm a mom. I'm a wife. Who's going to cook and clean? Who's going to do all that stuff? They almost look at it as they have to take on these duties that, like I said, like you said, your child doesn't want you necessarily to wash their clothes. Your child wa needs and probably wants clean clothes, but your child doesn't want you to wash the clothes. They want you there playing with them. They want you there putting them to bed, which all those things you do as a mom. Yeah. So how do you answer that question when well, someone first, says, I need to be there? So first, well, so I am there. I mean, I am there. If I had to work a nine to five job in a corporate environment that I couldn't be, like my, my, my husband, my son, is in uh, hyperbaric oxygen chambers right now because he doesn't say his S's. And so who do you think takes him 95% of the time? That's mm -hmm. at two o'clock. So it has to be five days a week that he goes. I have to do that for 40 days straight, right? And so, or 40 sessions straight. And I get to go do that. 
because I'll alter my schedule. So the truth is, is what are you not willing to give up mm -hmm. to be a great mom and a great leader? Because it's not about, if they love to cook, then ha that would be, instead of me doing pottery with him, like painting, right? Right. we'd cook. Yeah. If, that, if, if I could do it, we would do it. So my nanny does it. And he cooks with her and he's got a chef hat and he makes eggs and How awesome. he loves it. But that's not with me. That's with her. That's their bond. Good. And I think the biggest thing women entrepreneurs need to understand or women who want to strive to become entrepreneurs, just absolve yourself of that guilt. Like it, this is not the 1950s and 60s. We live in a time where you can spend plenty of time with your kid while still being able to run a business and do the things that you don't want to do. Well, and the other thing that they, uh, they contemplate with or they struggle with is being feminine and being masculine. And, um, you know, that's a real, like that, like when you've got a really strong drive, that's a game that you have to contend with. So I take the last week of every month off and I like now I'm going into, you know, holiday season or skiing season where we're gonna mm -hmm. go ski. Um, my, all Voxer, everything comes off my phone. And so for two weeks, I do nothing but shop and I bake, I love to bake. And I just, I'm a total girl, you know, I'm a total, and I've got to balance that out because I have a really strong drive. So women will say things like, um, I'm too masculine, not me, but like, I don't right. want to be too, too right. masculine and I want to be able to, you know, balance that out. And, and I'm like, I hate to tell you this, but whether you agree with me or not, raising a child is masculine. Anything to do with a plan and a point is very masculine. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know why people are trying to like pretend like it's women and guys. It's really about, listen, it's tough to play in a guy's world. Most, most masterminds that I'm a part of, there's six of us with 100 guys or yep. 90 guys. Like yep. there's not many of us. We meet in our own little group and we create our own little mastermind within the mastermind yep. to support each other because we don't do it like the guys do it. We don't want to drive the same way the guys do. We might sound like them, but the difference is, is that we really are like getting our nails done. We really do love to go do our hair. We really love to still shop. And we want to be there for our children's everything first. And so, and we won't miss that where a guy might miss that. Yeah, we no, most won't. guys, yeah, and, and most guys, we just don't have any guilt missing that because yeah. I think it's just in our DNA. Whereas a we woman, do. you might have guilt dealing with that, missing that. So yeah. let's talk about that. I mean, you've got, I, I, you know, it's up to you if you want to share the numbers, but you've got a very highly successful, multi, multi million dollar company, yeah. organization that's highly successful, and you're a, a great mom, and, you know, we've, we've gone out to dinners with you and your, your, your husband, Ash. Um, and, when someone says, well, how can I do both? Let's shift gears for a minute and talk about how you can run your business. So you wake up at 4 a.m. Let's talk about your productivity and your morning structure yeah. because that might be able to shed a light on how you're able to create a multi, multi-million dollar business and still be a spouse, still be a mom, still be a friend. Yeah. Right. Well, so so I'm getting, what's your morning routine like? I'm getting better at being a wife. We've okay. had a really, really great shift recently. Um, so the so the good thing about being driven is you never settle. You just, you don't settle. So any man who's married a driven woman is, is really fortunate because as long as he can make her feel safe, because remember where the drive comes from, right? As long as he can make her feel safe, mm -hmm. she, like, she, will, she, will, she will back down. You know what I mean? And that's where she wants to be anyway. She wants to be able to get off that edge for a minute and just be like, 
like sink into that. You said that so fast and so smoothly. I, I need to <laughs> I need to restate that one more time okay. for our audience. Yeah. You said any woman who's driven, we need to understand where that drive comes from. Yeah. Because men have a drive that comes from a very different place to yeah. conquer. Yeah. Like we want to conquer. Yeah, we don't right? think it's, like that. No, you wanted safety. You said to be safe because when we go back to the earlier conversation of your childhood. Yeah. And mom's boyfriend, who nicknamed you stupid, yeah. that was not a safe place to be. No, no, no. The I bruises that you had on your body, that was not a safe place to be. Yeah. And so you set out to really create safety and security. And in this world, money, wealth does buy you For sure. a sense of safety and security. You know, you have a house, you have your, your own person. If things fall apart. Oh, even security guards, Security guards, all like, of it. You can yeah. literally, yeah. Yeah. And, and oh, boy, that's a very... Like, so, I never so, thought of it that way. So when I get out of my car, even in my driveway, even when the, I wait for the gates to close before I get out of my car at night, and I don't have my keys anymore, my fingers, because I know I've got surveillance everywhere, but I even think when I take my kid out of the back of the car, I'm looking. We came out of the YMCA at night from his, his swim class, and I looked at him and I said, we're mommy, and you are going to run to the car. It's dark. And he goes, why, Mom? I go, it's a game. We're superheroes. We've got to get in the car really fast. Because I'm thinking about the fact that I can't protect myself with my kid, you know? And so women think like that all the time. We're fundamentally really different. So everything from the house we buy to, you know, the car I drive to the investments that my husband and I make, it started all with safety. Mm. Now it's getting more fun. But it's still, everything started with safety. I wanted to make sure that we weren't cleaning toilets when we were 80. Right. You know, so, um, so that drive, that drive comes from, from yeah, trying from to create that. And I, and I love hearing that. I, I appreciate you saying that because that gave me an epiphany of like, oh, gosh, okay, so maybe not every woman out there who's an entrepreneur wants to conquer. It might just actually stem from safety first. We're competitive. We're yeah. still competitive. Like, you know, if I see a woman, like there's a woman I'm masterminding with right now. She's done $2 billion on Amazon. She's three years younger than me. I'm like, how'd she do that? Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. but, but we want to collaborate. Sure. So like as I'm winning, she's going to win. We give everything unless we're fearful. If we're fearful, then we're still trying to hide it because we don't want somebody to get an edge on us. But we are collaborative by nature. Like we just want to help and grow, if that makes any sense. Let me ask you this. And why, why, why did I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of put you on the spot and yeah. maybe you can help me understand as someone who's, who I look at as like, like a sister to me, right? Like we've known right. each other for many long, um, many long years. Um, why is it that you hear that, that women just hate each other? Women don't want to see other women succeed. I, don't, I actually don't believe is, that. Is that false? I actually don't believe that. Um, or are you just hanging around in a different circle of women that most women aren't? I don't know. I don't know. I, I've never, I've never experienced that. So mm. I hear that. I, I just heard that from somebody recently in a mastermind, and that's why she wanted to collaborate all together and just to give the girls, uh, like a, you know, an, another edge. Yeah. And um, I just, I was honest with her too. I said I just don't experience that. So if you're putting that out, like I'm, I'm my own leader. So if I walk into any sort of conversation with someone or any sort of relationship, I'm the same way with you as I am with anybody. I just, I'm giving and I'm an open book. Mm. You know, uh, if you screw me over, I'm never going to forget, but I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to move on. But like, that's just my nature. That's who I am. And so I think if I, I mean, if I would be someone who was cutthroat, I, I'm just, you know what? Take every strategy I have. I don't give a shit. 
because all I'm going to do is get better. You're a unique breed. I but, I, but I'm going to get better. And typically, all that's going to do is give me some sort of relationship equity somewhere. Do you know I've never asked any of my friends to really do a big launch with me or really be responsible for like putting me on the map on anything? I just have done it myself. And so I'm not saying I would never ask anybody, but like I have so much relationship equity and I didn't do it for that reason. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't hang out with people that I don't actually authentically like. Um, I've never dated a guy because he had a lot of money. I've just never played that game. I just did it myself. So I think when women are experiencing that, they need to look inside and say, where are you living in scarcity? Where are you not being given, giving, giving? Where has somebody hurt you to the point where you're afraid to really like, lead first. Mm -hmm. I think leaders, they do everything first. Yeah. Like you step in and you give first. And when you operate from that standpoint, I don't know, I just think you create That's a different true. wake. So you said something earlier, you said, you know, while I have all this drive and I'm driven because of safety, um, if my husband mm -hmm. or if the man in the relationship could show me that I'm safe, you said I'll, the words were back down? Yeah. Yeah. Explain yeah. that. Um, okay. So this is a great example. I walk into our bathroom, I don't know, a month and a half ago, a month ago, and I was, I was reading scripture. And I'm really loving the word, like just getting into the word. I'm just, I think it's one of the best personal development anythings you can, you can, everything, every personal development program, if you really study the word, is actually built off of it. Mm. And at the end of the day, if a woman Lots of women will not like me saying this, but if a woman will allow the man to have the final word, things are going to work better in the relationship. If the man dedicates his entire relationship to his wife to make her happy, well, she's gonna keep building him. You know, and, and so there's a breakdown of entitlement happening. And, you know, I know when I give in, in a relationship and like think about my safety mm. back from the yeah. core, nothing was safe. So I walk in the bathroom and I'm reading the word and I come downstairs and our son Zach is in there with them. And he's like, how you doing, babe? And I was like, relationships are hard. And I just busted down crying. Yeah. And, and it was a really vulnerable moment of giving up being right about everything I've done for him. And just like realizing like, like I remember somebody saying to me, you know, Ash like helps with Zach. Ash like plays soccer with him like three, four times every morning before school. Ash will like help me get him to school if something comes up. And I'm like, he's his dad. Like that's what dads do. And I didn't realize how much entitlement I had built in my mind about this amazing man mm. who has been so giving. I mean, he doesn't want to live in San Diego, but he does. I mean, he likes it now, but like he he's given up so many things that I just thought were, that's what you do gotcha. to be a great husband. And I didn't give him a lot of credit for that. And then I dawned on me, I was like, holy shit, I'm the problem. Like I have a good relationship and not an extraordinary relationship because I'm the problem. I'm walking around entitled about him doing everything that he should do, and I'm missing the fact that this guy just wants to love me, and I have no role model, and why did I ever think that I was doing it right, and my way was right? And I just shifted, and he fell head over heels in love, Oh wow! and we just have been incredibly unstoppable since. So, so you, you touched on something you said, because I had no role model. So isn't that yeah. funny? Because if you look at the divorce rate, 
it's I, brutal. I, it's at 50%, and I'm convinced of the 50% that don't divorce, half of them act divorced. Yeah. They're just, there's no communication. There's no real... Roommates. Yeah, they're roommates, exactly. So you look at the kids growing up, they may not have a great role model for mom or dad, and then they grow up and they have these expectations and entitlements. Yeah. And then end up building resentment off of those expectations and entitlements. It's brutal. <clears throat> when really they had no role model to begin with in the first place. It's brutal. Yeah. It's so brutal. I mean, if you believe in anything scripture, that would be the definition of the enemy playing on the planet. Mm. And, you know, there's only two covenants you go into, one with God and one with your spouse. And it's not with your church. It's not with your friends. It's not even with your kids. You know, it's actually you and your spouse and you and God. And so if you're operating and you're not, you don't have a full cup in those two areas, then you're in a dangerous zone. Sure. I mean, because your thoughts are where the enemy comes in and plays. And as yeah. soon as he's in there, it just takes one, one thought that leads to another thought. And before you know it, you're texting somebody else or you're, you know, it's just, thank God I have never, I've got high integrity, but it still doesn't count for the fact that you know, when you're thinking about your spouse and thinking that they could be this or they could be that or if only. And it's like, right. gosh, damn it, you're stronger than yeah. that. Why would you? But, well, the, the truth is anyone on the other side could look at us, right? Like my spouse could look at me and go, well, if only. Like there's really an if only on all of us. So who am I to if only when there's a lot of if onlys on this side that I can improve, that I need to improve, that I need to work on? Yeah. Um, let, let's kind of shift gears for a moment and, and go back to that hard charging sh Shanda for a moment because I, I really love <laughs> what I love about the show is I'll just jump around wherever I want because I just take the interest that I have yeah, in people yeah. and the people are like man I really love how you went from this so I, I recently interviewed a friend his name is Wes Watson he's a uh, he was in prison for 10 years Ugh. he just got out his 16 months so he's still on parole so I actually went to San Diego to interview him he lives in San Diego he can't leave San Diego um, wow. and you, you know I kept taking him in and out of prison in the in the interview yeah prison prison life and then back to being an entrepreneur because he's an entrepreneur now doing uh, actually he he hired uh, or he works with rich chevron oh yeah um and he does about a hundred fifty two hundred thousand dollars a month in revenue and does Good great for, for himself yeah. he's just out there he's as he calls it he's the most popular felon on the internet because he's got this tremendous youtube show where he's just freely giving advice to people and keeping them out of jail yeah. or jail right yeah. Uh, real prison or the mental prison we tend to find ourselves in. But we kept bouncing in and out of that, and I found that when I do that, because I take interest, uh, so I'm gonna do that with you. What we shared there was really awesome, but let's go back to being in business for a moment. You are so good at commanding an audience at events. Not only at our events, like you, you spoke at uh, Craig and my event, uh, the Empire Business Summit, but when I come to the Zone event, and I'm backstage watching you speak, and the way you speak with passion, the way you pour with passion, and that's all great, and you fill up seats, and we can't sit here and learn about how you fill up seats and all that. In fact, one of these days I want, Craig and I were talking, we want you to come and teach at the Empire Mastermind. Yeah. Um, and, and so we'll have you do that. But what I'd like you to just share for a moment, not so much how you command the stage, but how you are so good at selling from the stage, because you do sell some high ticket coaching programs. Yeah, I'm not afraid of money. Okay, so explain that. The one, not afraid of money, and two, is there a three, four, five, twenty-step process of selling from the stage? Because if you can sell from the stage, you yeah, can sell so, on social media. Okay, so you and I both have this in common. Where um, the stronger my leadership gets, it means less about the actual offer. 
And so my strategy is I, I always practice an offer. I always practice a repitch. I have a big wine fridge wall in my house and it gives a good reflection and I literally practice in front of that. So before I go into any event, before, well, my own events, my big events that I'm actually selling, yeah. um, I have practiced that offer multiple times and I never give the same offer at the big events ever twice. I tried to do a great offer and replicate it, and I wasn't in that offer. Really? So even though it sounded amazing, it was so well rehearsed, like, it just, I wasn't there. The you first know? time you were, I, I but wasn't, you weren't able to replicate it. I wasn't it. able to replicate it. So what I've realized wow. about myself is whenever I'm going to make an offer at, in a big room, a room that it's cost a lot to put on this event, it, it, I, I really, like, you don't want to bomb it. And right. so I think about what is the big lesson that I've learned? Like what, what's something that has happened in my life? So one of the best offers I ever made was actually supporting my husband. Um, the story was supporting my husband doing the Kona Ironman. It was a big dream of his. And there's a moment when we're on the road and see I'm getting there right there. And we're on the road and we're in Hawaii and we're running along the side of the road. I'm running next to him. And he looks over at me and he's like, babe, I'm bleeding. And I'm like, you got this, honey. You got this. Like, I'm like, holy shit, it's got so long to go, but I can't break. I've got to tell, like, you got this. Like, what do you need to, what do I need to do for you? Like, do you need to go somewhere in your head? Like, you got this. He's like, no, I'm bleeding down there. Whoa. And no man wants to and bleed I'm down like, there. And I'm like, all right, babe. And he looks at me and goes, I love you so much. Thank you for being at every checkpoint. Like, I don't think I could do this without you. And it was such a deep moment of team that I had with him that when I was talking about it, like I was team with my husband mm. in a way that I had never been team with anybody in my life. And so as I'm telling this story, I look out at the audience and the whole audience is bawling, mm. right? To the point where it almost took me out of the story and I had to get back on that road with my husband and keep going. So I picked something in my life that like I learned team I learned what it, I, I learned what it really looked like to stand for somebody. When when you're 17, 18, 20 hours out there, you got a brand new baby, everybody's gone to eat, gone to nap, and you're still out there, you know, with your husband when you can't see him somewhere on the court. It's a big deal. Yeah. You know, you can bail anytime. Lots of wives go yeah. <laughs> like, sorry, I got a new kid, I'm out, you know, I'll see you at the finish line, maybe. You know, I was there for that guy. And and he was there for me while we were doing this this race together without me physically doing sure. it. So that offer just crushed it because I was sharing what I was learning. So I guess what I would say is like, you know what you're going through and you know that story better than anybody can teach you how to do an offer. And there's so many great leaders out there that can teach you how to speak from a stage. But I'm gonna tell you when it gets to the offer, the, the less crafted into a perfect offer and the more about your life and, and think like you're like an Emmy award winning actor or actress. Mm. You can't tell the story. Like I can't, when I tell the story about being abused versus being at the table and getting in it, it is two different stories. So when you can actually think like you're an actor, you're an actress, like, um, you know, Brad Pitt doesn't show up to a, a movie and just tell the lines about what's happening. 
in him or whatever, you know, he gets into it, yeah. right? He yeah. gains the weight, he puts whatever. He becomes the character. Angelina yeah. Jolie, whoever it is, they become, they reenact that moment. So I think I always wanted to be an actress. I know I always wanted to be an actress. I was just afraid to speak. I was afraid to like go to drama class. Like, you know, so now I've realized that that calling inside me I'm living it out now on the stage. Oh, no. And so when I get on that stage, I'm like, what does this audience need from me? And if I'm making an offer, you can damn well rest assured that I'm telling you the truth. It is 100% honest. It has been rehearsed over and over and over again so I can get out the stuff that is irrelevant and I can lead you right down the pipe of what I've learned and then make you an offer on the end that converts. And the offer is literally, here's the bullets of what's in the program. That's Easy stuff. So I think where people struggle is they're telling a story to get something. Where I am reenacting a moment that means so much to me, and I'm bringing you into. I'm sharing that moment generously with you, and that's the difference. So I don't have. I could screw it up. I could do anything. It doesn't matter because yeah. it's going to come out right. Do Do you think? I mean, your ability to do that is because you have done so much self work, and you're okay with just putting everything out there and not feeling judged and rejected by society. Like, I think I most people who aren't that vulnerable is because they're afraid of being judged and rejected. Yeah. So you got to walk through that. So I had a fear of looking good too, a fear of looking good, and and so and I still do. Like when I step on a stage, like if Grant Cardone asked me to come to 10x, I would have to work through that. You know, so it doesn't go away. Like, stupid doesn't go away. Mm. It doesn't go away. It's not gone. Whenever there's that next level, it comes up. It's, and then I have to get myself out of, okay, my audience is not the speakers. My audience is not impressing. I am here to serve people who are going to hear this message who have some sort of a connection with what I'm experiencing right now in my life. So what I'm experiencing right now in my life is admitting I'm admitting mm. every like I'm just that's where I'm at right now. I'm just just admitting like and that admitting some people might call it surrender. The, uh, surrender never made sense to me. Admitting does like to admit to my husband that I'm not right to admit that like I sat at a table with some of my friends and some people that are not my friends and Pete Vargas is like you know, I would book you on any stage and totally hook you up and take care of you. You've done so much for me. I would do it completely for free. I'm like, but Pete, like, I'm afraid. I'm intimidated to go on some of that those stages. And everybody's like, what? You know, and I'm like, yeah, maybe I do 65 plus events a year. But still, there's a next, next level for you and next level for me. I'm just admitting. And do you know how fucking good it feels to just admit sure. Sure. So it's therapeutic and it's financially uh, beneficial as well. It's incredible. It's incredible. And, and that's the bottom line to any strong pitch, whether you're pitching something on a webinar, you're pitching something on a Facebook Live, Instagram Live, whatever it is, or to an audience of 500 or 5,000, it's being vulnerable and authentic. When people see the real you and they go, this woman is on a mission and I want to be part of this mission, they're going to buy the product or service that you're selling. And if the yeah. product and service are solid, they're going to stay and keep paying for a long time to come. Yeah, and if they're not solid, then you'll build that. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's been things that I've sold that were good, and two, with two years later, I'm getting around to making them extraordinary. Sure. You know, so I think really there's a great book, Blitz Scaling, that uh, really helped me let go of this need to, you know, if you want it to be small for a long time, then obsess over perfection. Oof. 
you know, but yeah. if you want it to scale, listen, when they're, when somebody's building a big, the only reason why I didn't grow faster is because I didn't borrow money. I never would bootstrap again. If you took everything away from me, I would go find capital and I would not bootstrap yeah, same again. Same here. You know, it's, it's funny you say that. Same. I feel the very much same way. It's like, yeah. there, there's a sense of, uh, like, gosh, I did this all myself, self-funded. Yeah. But now when I'm coaching clients, I'm like, you know, there's a faster and easier way to do it where you don't have to put your life and your your possessions at risk. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, as long as you're willing to do the work, it's not like you're putting someone else's shit at risk either. No, but they're scared because yeah. most people don't do the work. That's exactly Most people it. are great starters and shitty finishers. Yeah. They know deep down inside they're not going to do the work, so yeah. they don't want to borrow the money and then, yeah. of course, be, be liable for that. Yep. So many great lessons, so many great takeaways on every single front, by the way. So thank you for, again, once yeah. again, being vulnerable, being open, and being the authentic you. Um, if, if our audience wants to learn more about you, find out how they can reach you, what's the best way? Instagram right now. It's really like I'm on Facebook more than any other platform on our Heartcore business page. Yeah. But Instagram is really the only place that you can still get me. I'm still in my DMs. I'm still there. You know, yeah. that that's really the last place you can get me right now. So that's, it. that's where to so find So they're going to go to, is it just Shanda Sumter? Yeah. Shanda Sumter on Instagram. Shanda, thank you so much for being on the show. Guys and gals, if you like this episode, and I know you did, I want you to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Leave a comment. And, of course, take a screenshot, share it on social media, and be sure to tag Shanda, tag myself, and, of course, tag Craig Ballantyne. Thank you for watching and listening. We'll see you next time.